morning, everyone. So we continue through our prophecy study. We're going to be looking at the Davidic covenant, and on the backside we have the new covenant. And uh, high expectations of going through both. <laughs> we'll see. Davidic covenants. We'll start off at Second Samuel. Well, actually, we won't. Now that everybody's awake, <laughs> I want to go back to a little bit. I'm going to retrace our steps just a little bit. Actually, I'd like to start back in Genesis about the Davidic covenant, like the Abrahamic covenant that we saw last time, um, originates and continues through Israel. And it's about Israel, although the church gets included in a, in a later date. We're going to put all that stuff together as we keep moving through the historical flow of, the, uh, of prophecy. Now, back in Genesis 35, and we'll just start there this morning. Genesis 35, just a very brief review, but it's so important because... Uh, I don't want us to ever lose sight as we go through prophecy and we start looking at kingdoms and, you know, we're going to have a, somewhere down the road, we'll have a fun Sunday looking at the Antichrist and things like that. Uh, we want to lose, lose focus. Like all of Scripture, including prophecy, the one main character to be looking at is Jesus Christ. He's the author of it. He's going to be the... It's, he's called the author and, and finisher of our faith, author and finisher of history too, okay? Because uh, we're going to see that we're going to see that even this morning in the Davidic covenant, where he is revealed prophetically here, looking forward as king, okay, as king. Now, in uh, Genesis thirty-five, verse nine through twelve, we see where Jacob. His name was changed to Israel, and we know that Jacob was the father of what we know as the 12 tribes, okay, Israel. And now we move forward from there to verse, didn't read anything there, but now that you're close, we'll go to verse, let's go to Genesis 49, chapter 49. Eight through 12, there I do want to read that again. Now, this is Jacob's prophecy concerning his son Judah, which means the tribe. He did that with all the uh, sons. So, but Judah's the one that's important because we know that Messiah is coming through the line of Judah, right? So, 8 through 12. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the, the neck of your enemies your father's son shall, shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, you have gone up. He crouches. He lies down as a lion and as a lion who dares to rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes and, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. It, it goes on. More like verse 11, he ties his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. We don't need to go any further than that for our purposes today, but uh, 
be it as it may, the two important parts, Judah, the lion's whelp. What does it say in uh, Revelation 5.5? What is Jesus referred to by remember? We did it last week. In the book of Revelation, David's up there in chapter 5 when, or David, John, in his vision, is looking out and uh, the uh, title deed, the scrolls need to be opened, which we're going to see when we get there, is a, like a title deed to the earth. And no one was found worthy to open that scroll. And, and John got kind of beside himself and, that's, and actually was, started weeping. And he was told, don't worry about it. The lion of the tribe of Judah will come and open that scroll. And we know him as our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, all this is pointing, pointing toward the eventual coming of Messiah. And the Davidic covenant majors on his aspect, the aspect of Jesus, the Messiah, as Jesus, the king. The king will be coming one day. Now, let's look at Matthew 1.1 real quick. Let's jump over to Matthew 1.1. We saw Revelation last time. But in Matthew 1.1, this is the beginning of obvious Matthew. And he's Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, he starts off with the genealogy. And he, fra- he starts his book by saying, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then just moves on and gives, it, gives the whole line. Now, why does he do that? We, we looked at Luke last time, and Luke takes us all the way back to Adam. We looked at Luke because we wanted to see Noah's prophecy concerning his son Shem. And Shem is in that line. So you can see following from Adam all the way through. Matthew, he starts with Abraham and David. Why? Because those are two key uh, covenants that point to Messiah. Point to Messiah. Both covenants, by the way, too, also point, number one, to Israel and beyond Israel. They also point to the Gentiles. What did... uh, the Lord say to Abraham, through you, what? All nations will be blessed. And we're going to see the same. I'm hoping we see this before the end of the day morning here. We're going to see the same is true with the Davidic covenant. Yes, it's very Israel specific, but it goes beyond that as well. Okay. And then later on in our studies, not today, but later on over the course of the weeks, we're going to see how how does Israel and the church even work together? Do they work together? How do they go together? You know, we'll deal with that. Now, the contents of the covenant. Let's look at now 2 Samuel chapter 7. In case you look for it, 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel is right there. It just follows 1 Samuel. That helps. I know that was that first time was a drill. <laughs> this is a real thing. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and read eight through seventeen to get a good feeling for it here. Set the context. Everybody there. Second Samuel seven, beginning at verse eight. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from, from following the sheep, that you should be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off your enemies and from before you, and, and, and I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more uh, as formerly. Even from the day that I command judges to be over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies, the Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are complete, you will, you will lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your descendant, descendant, singular, after you who will come forth from you and will establish his kingdom. He, he shall build my house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Now, the uh, person here, the singular person we're talking to here is actually Solomon in this part of the passage. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he, when he commits iniquity, right there we know it's not Jesus. <laughs> when he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod and, of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I have removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Now, real quickly, we're going to look at David, verses 8 and 9. David was, a, was God's sovereign choice. It says, I took you from the pasture, verse 8 from following the sheep, that you should be ruler over my people Israel. In that sense, David, being king, and also, by the way, prophet, right? David being king and the prophet was one of those men in the Old Testament that actually served as a type of Christ to come, okay? Uh, the high priest Melchizedek was one of those types now, Melchizedek was a king and priest. He, too, was a type of Christ. Um, <clears throat> now, we're not going to get into the types right at this point in time, but I just want to just keep that, keep that out there. Now, we can see that whole story. We're not going to turn there, but uh, how he took him from the sheep, 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13, I gave that to you. We're not going to do the, go through the history of that uh, in our lesson this morning. Um, if we ever do an Old Testament survey, we'll catch it then. And also the next statement, I've been with you uh, wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies before you. You can just go back in his history. You can, and I've got the verses. I'm not going to go there this morning. Just you know, you've heard of these stories where David kills Goliath. Okay, we saw that. David defeats the Amalekites. David defeats the Jebusites and captures Jerusalem. We mentioned that, I think, last time where, you know, where... They didn't get that done during Joshua's time or during the times of the judges. All the way up till David, that part of the Jerusalem, that area of Jerusalem was not captured until David came along. Okay? Um, and then also it says in verse 9, I will make you a great name. Well, David, you can see in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 2, David was made king over Judah. There was a civil war going on at, at that earlier on. The civil war, remember, between Saul and David had their issues, okay? And that continued, and finally it was 
shut down. <clears throat> but anyway, David was made king over Judah. And then after that, he was made king over the entire nation, brought back together. Okay? And then we can see in 2 Samuel uh, 5, 10 to 12, David was honored by Hiram, king of Tyre. So even the foreign, he was getting recognized now even by the foreign leaders in the surrounding nations were recognizing him for his, um, his greatness as a king, his accomplishments, okay, on, on the human level, anyway. But one thing's for sure, when he was made king over all Israel, I mean, and he was anointed earlier by the, the prophet Samuel, uh, it was, again, I don't know how many, I wasn't there. <laughs> so I don't know all the people, that, but they, he was indeed, when he was made king over Israel, and that, that would depend, quite frankly, on the spiritual level of the people, if they understood him to be anointed by, by God. I think they probably did, because he was anointed by Samuel, and uh, he was very successful as a king, when it was all said and done. So Now, verse 10 and 11, here's where we need to slow down a little bit here. In verses 10 of 11 of the of 2 Samuel 7, where it says, uh, now Israel is going to have their own place. I want to go back there. And again, here's that prophetic view again. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may live in their own place and be not disturbed again. You look back through history from, I mean, just look back from the, time that uh, uh, <clears throat> Jacob was named Israel. It's been nothing, but they've never really had a place of their own. Under David and Solomon is the closest they've ever got to it. Okay? Um, that is still yet to be fulfilled. This still looks out beyond our day. They don't have it today either. If you go back and look at the land promise, it goes all the way out to the Euphrates. Not there. And, again, they'll have their own place and not be disturbed again. They're, they're being disturbed almost every week <laughs> by, if nothing else, rockets coming in from, <laughs> you know, from the, uh, the land of the Philistines. <laughs> well, the Jebusites. That, that group, that group of people, that, the Jebusites had that area. And remember, these kingdoms were like, we look at them today like cities, big fortified cities. And if you go back and read that study with, that, uh, where they did that, you can, I've got the passage here. You go back and read that, you'll find that they thought they were impregnable. They were up on a hill, fortified, and um, basically he said they, they actually mocked any would-be attacker is saying, you might as well be blind and lame. You, you won't have any better chance than that trying to knock us off. Okay, so, um, so, so David uh, went up there and showed him how lame things were. And he just recaptured it, and he conquered it. He named it, he called it at that point in time, called it the city of David. Okay. So, and eventually brought the, uh, the Ark up there, the Ark of the Covenant up there. 
Okay. And the whole story about him wanting to build a temple. He said, no, there's blood on your hands. You're not going to build a temple. Solomon built the temple. You know, and then it goes on from there. Now, Israel will have their own place. Let's go back up to Genesis 15. Because again, this is important for us to know. Because when we get in later on into the prophecy, we start, if we start bringing up other points of view, which we're probably going to have to uh, at one time or another, I've got more outlines on this table here if anybody needs them. Um, 1518 says, On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land. Okay, and here's the scope of it. From the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Okay, they've never really had good control over that. They definitely have never been in that area at peace where they were, not, where they were never troubled. That has not happened, and um, it will, but not now. It's obviously future of us because history says it's, it's never been. Let's look at Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel is one of these books that from this point on we're going to be in quite a bit. Ezekiel 34, 28 to 31. 34, verse 28. Again, speaking of Israel in the future. And they will no longer be a prey to the nations, and the beasts of the earth will not devour them. But they will live securely, and no one will make them afraid. And I will establish for them a renowned uh, planting place, and they will not again be victims of famine in the land, and they will, not in, they will not endure the insults of the nations anymore. Then they will, be, then they will uh, <clears throat> know that, and here's the key, then they will know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord. Okay? And as for you, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, you are men, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. That realization has not happened yet. And then an old friend that we've uh, seen before on Sunday mornings is Amos 9.15. And these pa- passages like this are all over the Old Testament. All over, especially in the prophets. They're all over the place. Amos 9.15. And I will plant them on their land... And they will not again be rooted out of their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. Again, they're going to be there. They're going to be secure. They're going to be safe. Everything's going to be fine. That is when I believe these prophecies are fulfilled. In that period of time, we call the millennium. We get that, we get that term from uh, Revelation 20 where it talks about a thousand years. Okay? And we'll get there. We're going to, like, after we get through the covenants, which could be today, <laughs> uh, then we're going to go in and start setting up some historical timelines as when all these things take place and take them in order, in, in order of historical, future historical order. Okay. Now, where it says, too, back in 2 Samuel, 
where it says, I will, the Lord will make a house for you. Literally, that means the Lord is going to establish a dynasty. Okay? In the Davidic line, going to establish a dynasty. Okay? And this dynasty, according to uh, verses 12 through 16, this dynasty or kingdom will last forever. Okay? It is in existence today, even though you can't see it. The, the, the line of David is out there. It's there. The line of David is out there, and it doesn't matter who they are. The Lord knows who they are. What matters is the one person in that line that will ascend to the throne. That's what's important. Remember, you get in Revelation, and he's going to call up 144,000 people out of the Jewish race, if you will. He's going to get 12, 12 from every, every tribe, 12,000 from every tribe. He knows who they are. He's got them. He's got, it. He's got this thing. He's got this thing controlled, you know. And, um, and he's not going to have to go to Ancestor.com to find them either. He knows who they are. He's going to raise them up. He's going to call them up. And again, there's going to be, it's going to be a dynasty. It's going to be everlasting. Look at Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is one of those passages. The bulk of the, the first, 38, first 37, 38 verses especially, just major on the Davidic covenant. It, it praises God for the Davidic covenant. And rightfully so. The promise kingdom and descendants of David will, in fact, endure forever. Again, when it's talking like that, it's talking about the eventual salvation of the nation Israel as a whole. And remember also, and we're going to get back talking about Israel, we'll probably do a whole Sunday on that just to straighten some of this stuff out, because it can get confusing um, there's a variety of different theological approaches to this because of, I think, the confusion about Israel, who they are, and then the church. They, some people try to mesh them together too close. Others just, like, throw them apart. And some say the church replaces Israel. And we need to get that as we go through this. Hopefully that will straighten out as we move through. But I'm kind of like the covenants seem to me as being important to a foundation Give us a platform to move off from. So at least we understand, okay, Abraham promises, Davidic promises, and then the new covenant promises, which are coming soon. <laughs> okay, but in Psalm 89, verses 34, 37, say, My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. Again, if God makes a covenant, see, again, the Davidic covenant, like the Abrahamic covenant, are all of and from God totally dependent on God. The new covenant, when we get there, same thing. Yes, ma'am. So, um, God, God doesn't have any stipulations on these covenants? God doesn't have any stipulations? Not on, the, not on these. These are done. Okay. Now, there was, there was on, say, the Mosaic covenant, where he said, if you keep my commandments, you will do well in the land. Well, obviously, they did not, so they got bumped out of their land. Oh, yes, oh, yes, he did. Um, yes and no. But we get back, into, we get back to the, the sovereignty of God issue. Abraham was called by God. 
just like David was called by God. So in that sense, because when when Abraham was called by God, David was called by God, anybody that's called by God to salvation, to a point of salvation, eternal security was in vogue back in the Old Testament, by the way. If you were, if you were called by God, you would, you're going to stay there, and the proof of it was your life and obedience. Yes, that's why the Davidic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, both of those are unconditional covenants because we're talking about people that God had preordained to f- bring them on. Yes. 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 And that's why the faith of Abraham is used as an example, say, in Romans 4 and in James as uh, being saving, true saving faith. But again, if we do a lesson on soteriology one day, the doctrine of salvation, we'll see how that all works out. Okay? So... Well, I, I said from the get-go <laughs> that when we looked at all ten uh, areas of systematic theology, they all overlap and, inter- and interconnect at some point. They're, they're all going to... We go through prophecy, here we did. We've already seen theology proper, the doctrine of God, Christology, the doctrine of Christ, soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. I mean, it's all interconnected. Yeah, that's his decree. And he says, I've got a place for you that place will be there, and you'll be in it, Israel. So, again, that, that's why I have such strong um, disagreements with those that say that the church took Israel's place. Well, if that's true, God needs to apologize to Abraham and David. Among others. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's not it. It looks like we won't be getting to the new covenant today. I thought I'd get through here pretty quick, but not 20 seconds. (laughs) And so, yes, bring the new covenant back with you. Let's let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the fact that your promises we can count on. Because if we couldn't count on the ones you made for Israel, why should we count on the ones you made to us? But we can count on the Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you that your word is true, and we thank you that, Lord, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And we thank you, Lord, that it gives us peace. It gives us confidence in times of turmoil and trouble. And again, Lord, we praise you for it. Amen.